This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown, joined as always by our fearless leader, the managing editor at Horns 24-7, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, how are you doing? I'm doing great, this Chip. early March? Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, it's my birthday month, so I'm not really too excited about that. But hey, I did find out this week that I do share a birthday month, at least, with Steve Sarkeesian. So that was kind of interesting. <laughs> but, true, true. <laughs> You know, I'm doing Sarkeesian's birthday is March 8th. Mm -hmm. Happy birthday, Sark. Yep. Mine is what 16 days after. So, Um, but I'm doing good. How about you? March 24th, folks, put that down so you can send Taylor some gifts or gift cards or whatever, you know, for my 25th birthday. Right. (laughs) I mean, just a, just a youngin. Yeah. Making her, making her way in the world today. (laughs) Um, I think that's the beginning to cheers. Uh, but Taylor, we have lots to talk about. We are T minus uh, exactly 14 days to the start of spring football and two days from pro day. Mm-hmm. And remember, this is the weird year where the NFL's not holding a combine. They are sending representatives to pro day to work out the athletes who were invited to the combine texas had six basically everyone who's draft eligible except for my man chris brown what's up with that what he's too small he'll he'll make it in the league um but they're like blocking us out of pro day yeah because the nfl network is going to be in there doing their thing as if it was the combine right so we'll have to rely on our sources and watch NFL network um, to see how these longhorns are doing uh, during pro day on Thursday, Taylor. I don't even think I have NFL network anymore after AT&T Uverse, Cause I still am, I guess, old school and have cable. Cause it's that in my opinion, school. I know, but it's hard to watch live games. If I'm like switching back and forth between live games and stuff like that, like It's tough, and I don't know what LHN is streamed on or anything, and I just don't care that much. So anyway, uh, yeah, Uverse, I think, cut NFL Network, so I will not, unless I log into Chip's account. If you have one, then I'm not. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I've got some bootleg thing that my cousin gave me where I'm sure all my information is being stolen. (laughs) Probably. I'm probably about to be hijacked (laughs) right in the middle of this podcast by foreign countries, princes from Bondar coming to get me. Um, but uh, Taylor, I, I mean, this this pro day, obviously, I've written a lot about it over at Horns 24-7, what the NFL thinks of these prospects. Um, people will talk about Sam Ellinger, but he's probably going to be the lowest drafted, if not undrafted, 
player among the six when you talk about Joseph Osai, Sam Cosme, um, Brennan Eagles, Caden Stearns, uh, Taquan Graham, and um, uh, oh man, who's that six? Did you say Sam person? Cosme? Sam Cosme, yep. Sam Ellinger. Sam Cosme. Oh, um, Caden Stearns and Brennan Eagles and Joseph Osai. Yeah, I think I named them all. Yeah, I think so. Um, You know, those Cosme and Osai are the ones who are, you know, have the highest grade. Mm -hmm. And then it's a bad year for safety. So Caden Stearns, even though NFL scouts will tell you his film is no good. You have to go back to his freshman season to find him making plays. Mm-hmm. Um, he's long. He runs. He looks the part. He's been a four-year guy at a, you know, P5 program. So, you know, they're projecting him in the third round. And Brendan Eagles, because he's 6'4 and can run, uh, is projected in the fourth round, uh, where Taquan Graham is also projected. And then Ellinger is um, – projected as a sixth or seventh round pick. Mm-hmm. So uh, we will we will have all the details for you over at Horns 24-7. And then, Taylor, on March 23rd, we get spring football going, and we're going to open the flagship podcast today. We will get to basketball and a little bit of baseball, maybe even a touch of softball, some love it or leave it, of course. But as we count down to spring football, give me a position that you are fired up to follow, that you maybe you're intrigued. You don't quite know how it's going to how it's going to play out. There could be a twist ending. It could be like the wire or Ozark or something. What what position is that? I mean, Chip, it's really difficult for me not to I know this is like such the easy answer and I get that, but it's hard for me not to pick quarterback, honestly, because even though everything that we saw from Casey Thompson in the Alamo Bowl game when he was, you know, take, you know, came off the bench and um, led Texas on what was it, five of seven scoring drives? Is that right in that game? And um, five of five. Oh, five of five. Excuse me, five of wasn't he five of? I forget what. It, anyway, he yeah. Was, he- uh, five scoring drives, four for touchdowns, one a field goal. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, I think that that was a really impressive. Um, kind of glimpse into what he could potentially bring. But I also do think it was a very small sample size of what he is. I mean, the reality is Colorado could not, they weren't game planning for Casey Thompson. You know what I mean? I mean, let's be honest about it. They were game planning for Sam Ellinger. They were game planning for what the offense would look like based off of what they had put on film all year. And Casey Thompson's film was very limited. So it, it worked out in his favor. And I think that he was super impressive. And I don't want to put, I don't want to say anything that makes it seem like I'm like, you know, uh, washing that out, out of there, like, you know, removing that, essentially erasing okay, it from good, the equation. Okay, good, it sounded like you were a little bit. No, no, it's not that I'm erasing it at all, but I do think that, you know, we haven't really seen what Hudson Card can bring to the table. And we for sure haven't seen what Hudson Card and Casey Thompson can bring to the table as a potential starting quarterback, because that has not been the situation at all. You know, Casey had been right. previously um, buried in the depth chart when Shane Bouchelle and uh, when Cam Rising were on campus, and then he became QB2. But, you know, Sam Ellinger hardly ever came out of the game. Texas played in way too many close games, honestly, under Tom Herman's 
watch for Casey to even get an opportunity to sniff the field, it seems like, you know. So, um, you know, I don't want to make it seem like I'm erasing at all his performance at the Automobile. I was very, very impressed by it. But it's really difficult for me to sit here and be like, he is 1,000% going to be the starter on day one because I haven't seen him in the starting type of role. And I haven't seen uh, Hudson Card in the starting type of role. And we haven't seen them really compete with each other either. And, you know, and a lot of times competition brings out the best of of, uh, athletes and you hope at least that's the case. So I really think the quarterback position is the one that as, you know, easy of an answer if it is, um, you know, when there's not a proven choice for quarterback, I'm going to say that that's absolutely the, the position I'm very intrigued to watch kind of play out um, for the, you know, 15 practices or whatever for spring ball. But what about you? Oh, I think you just, just uh, hit the position that 99% of Texas fans are going to be absolutely locked in on. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to say receiver and it's really just because of Troy O'Meary. Yeah. You know, we didn't get to see him uh, wrecking shop in fall camp last year because well, it just wasn't open. Mm-hmm. You know, COVID-19 changed the game. We didn't even get to see any of fall camp last year, except for those little videos that Texas would send out. And lo and behold, there's number 21, yeah, Troy O'Meary, which is a bad number for a receiver. We got to work on that for him. Um, but there he is. He's you know making these one-handed catches. He's 6'3", 230. By the way, that's how big... Jatavian Sanders is and Jatavian Sanders wants to be a receiver. I mean, I'm everyone's talking about him as a tight end. Look at that dude can run like Troy O'Meary. Then maybe he's battling Troy O'Meary. Yeah. But let's, we'll wait and see, but (laughs) that even more reason to be intrigued by the receiver position. Hell Jatavian Sanders could be in the mix. Everyone's got him slotted for tight end. I don't know. Um, but I am excited to see that. And my gosh, Jordan Whittington, the modern day Jordan Shipley, looks great when he's on the field. Mm-hmm. 10 catches against OU, um, got electric speed, some electricity, just needs to get some, just needs to get in the end zone, get some confidence, get that feel. And then let's watch him go bananas in the Steve Sarkeesian offense. So, there you have it, Taylor. I'm just, uh, you know, a little excited. Want to see how how Steve Sarkeesian plays these guys. You know, he doesn't tend to always go by the rules of, well, your X needs to be a big giant and your slot needs to be, you know, have the best wiggle and your Z receiver, your fastest guy, so you can take the top off the defense. You know, he moves everything around, so it's going to be fun and, and it'll be all about production. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to spring football. I mean, I do agree with you about wide receiver, especially with Troy O'Meary, because as you mentioned, you know, the things that we had heard coming out of a very limited, you know, um, practice sample size of uh, fall camp going into the 2020 season. I mean, this was, you know, Chip, in our, in our industry, I feel like a lot of times you'll get mixed 
messages about how players are performing. And it's usually dependent on who you're talking to. You know what I mean? Like sources, if they're close to the player, the player's awesome and everyone around them sucks and they should be the starter. If it's on the opposite side, it's, oh no, that guy sucks. Like it should be this person. But like the, the honestly, in my opinion, I thought that Everything that we all heard, not just me, I think you too from, you know, our talks that we all have um, as a Horns 24-7 staff, every single message coming out of fall camp was the same when it came to Troy O'Meary. And it was, this guy is a dude. He is, he, his ceiling is so high that I think a lot of um, even players were really getting excited to see what he can do on the field, according to my sources. I mean, there I have a source that was you know, uh, close to the defense last season. And they said, like, I want to see him on the field, even though my guys are getting torched out there. I want to see what he can do against other opponents. You know, that's not always. Yeah, he was the starter. Yes, as a X, true fresh. Ahead of Brennan Eagles, yes. who's going to be working out for NFL teams on uh, Thursday. Yeah, without any spring practice. His first, literally first college practice that he's ever uh, participated in is that's what came out of it. So I do think that wide receiver is absolutely probably a, a f- probably more like fun position, I would say, to watch. Um, some of the other ones have a little bit more of like a controversy, like, oh, I, I can't wait to see what happens of this. But I think wide receiver, especially with Troy Amiri, everything, if he continues where he was, you know, um, in fall camp prior to his injury, I think that all Texas fans are going to be wanting to see how uh, how electric I think this receiver group can be under the Steve Sarkeesian offense. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Um, two weeks from today. Uh, Taylor, but this week, this week as we transition to basketball, the men's and women's uh, basketball teams are in the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City. They're in a bubble in Kansas City. And then the teams that move on to the NCAA tournament will move into the bubble in Indianapolis where all the teams, all the games are going to be played in the NCAA tournament. Um, after having both tournaments canceled last year, this is right about the time that the pandemic um, came down. Um, but Texas, the men will be the three seed in the big 12 tournament. And will take on their nemesis, Texas Tech, the sixth seed. Texas Tech swept the Longhorns this season. And Shaka Smart is one in seven in his last eight meetings with Chris Beard in the Red Raiders. So um, it's not the end of the world because most bracketology has Texas as a four seed. But come on, man. Can you handle the Red Raiders a little? One in seven in your last eight, Taylor? I mean, it's almost, in in my opinion, it's kind of similar to how Texas has handled Gary Patterson and TCU, you know? I mean... Great point. There's just those, those teams that I feel like have the number of another team, and I think that Texas Tech is definitely that. You know, I think TCU 100% is that for Texas football. And Texas fans need to admit that about... TCU that this needs to be a priority. I know Texas fans look down on the purple and the frogs and sweaty Gary Patterson. Also Screaming good singing. <laughs> Gary Patterson. Good singing. <laughs> but thank you, Taylor, for pointing that out. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's the reality. And you're right about football fans. They're two like- and seven, by the way, against TCU since TCU joined the Big Twelve. Yeah. 
And how many of those TCU FYI. teams went on to be like top five teams in the country? One? Yeah. 14, 2014. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah. no, I, I think that this is a this is a big test, you know, Chip. And I think, I mean, obviously, I don't think it's going to really truly impact too much of how things play out in the NCAA tournament. It's not like Texas loses a game and they're not going to be in the NCAA tournament. That's not the situation where last season had Texas played in the Big 12 tournament. That could have been the situation. So, you know, I do think um, this will be a good probably starter game. Yeah. And but I mean, talking about basketball, I mean, we're at the end of the season now, Chip, and we talked a little bit about this last week about Shaka Smart and I mean, how many games does it take for him to win in the NCAA tournament to save his job? I think that's no. the question. That is the question. In fact, we're going to hold a contest. And uh, everybody can chime in. All you have to do is go to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and uh, give us a, a comment mm-hmm. on how great our show is and what it's going to take for Shaka Smart to A, Keep his job. B, possibly get a contract extension. Shaka has two years remaining after this one in which he's due $3.5 million next season and $3.6 million the following season. All of that's guaranteed. So his buyout is $7.2 million if you're doing the math. And, and I think that is the question, Taylor. You know, Lance Blanks, my man, Lance Blanks, former Texas legend on the basketball court, former GM in the NBA, said early in the year, over under the Final Four for these Longhorns. That's how talented he thinks they are. And I think if you pour truth serum in Lance, he'd tell you they have the most athletic front court in the country and three point guards who play well together most of the time, except in that. West Virginia game, uh, Andrew Jones and Courtney Ramey and Matt Coleman, and they played well. Let's give them some, some credit. They had to play their last four games on the road. They won three and beat OU to, to wrap things up on the, or TCU, sorry, on Sunday and look good doing it. Went inside. They had 10 dunks. Kai Jones, Jericho Sims were hanging on the rim, just posterizing people. And then they also, hit a bunch of threes. So hopefully they're over the COVID they're in, in the zone and they can finally beat flipping Texas tech and then go into the NCAA tournament and not shrink like they have under Shaka every time they've gone every time. Like it's, it's baffling to me that he has not won a single NCAA tournament game. Like and, and that's before we even acknowledge the fact that how many times did they not make the NCAA tournament? Yeah. I mean, his second year, they went 11 and 22 yeah. with Jared Allen, a lottery pick who's still wrecking shop in the NBA. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know. No Bamba. Yeah. Not a mucho. Yeah. No, none. Zippo NCAA tournament wins since taking the Texas job in 2016. But we're hoping for the best. Yeah. And let's see how that plays out. The Texas women got some interesting news on Sunday after they realized they're going to be the uh, number five seed in the Big 12 tournament, play Iowa State, the number four seed, a team they swept during the regular season. Unfortunately, 
that means if they win that game, they play Baylor, uh, the number one team or number two team in the country who has won 24 of 25 against Texas. We'll take it a game at a time here. But um, the Texas men were able to avoid Baylor and get into the same half as Kansas, a team they swept. So there it is for Texas. If they can get by Texas Tech, they, they'd probably be facing a Kansas team in Kansas City that, well, heck, they went up to Fog Allen Fieldhouse and beat them by 25. So, um, but back to the women. Charlie Collier, their All-American Lisa Leslie Award finalist for top uh, center in women's college basketball, announced on Sunday she'll for, forego her senior season to go into the WNBA draft and tailor the top four picks in the WNBA draft last year, earned $68,000. So it's, uh, I mean, I get it. Listen, it's, you're playing the game you love, you're getting paid, you're, you do have a chance for endorsement deals, whatever, but that's not very common. I mean, all those UConn players that went number one in the draft all played all four years. So Charlie kind of taking a different path here, but um, uh, she's been phenomenal. I mean, she's been phenomenal. Yeah. What more can you say? She leads the conference and, um, and rebounding and um, she's been a double, double machine. That's like baffling to me to hear that is what they get paid. Like, I mean, they put in, I, and I understand, like, it's it's about the, you know, the attention, honestly, on the sport. Like, let's not, I'm not going to mix words here. Like, let's just call it what it is. You know, people don't follow women's sports as much as they do men's. So, obviously, that limits a lot of earning potential because of that. But, I mean, these these women, you know, they put as much work if not more into their game so that they can make it into the league and then they get paid $68,000 I mean it's like that's crazy to me I did not know that that was what they get paid that's like a sorry if I'm like shocked sounding because I am shocked sounding I, I thought they at least got six figures like my gosh like that's crazy yeah yeah you like the top four picks in the draft you'd think six figures, but at least like even just a hundred, well, and you have to prove your way. There are players who make more than that. Obviously once they become a star in the league, but you think by uh, being the number one pick in the draft or the top four picks in the draft, you're kind of a star, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out. So for, again, for Vic Schaefer, you know, this has been a, a year where he's trying to win with talent he inherited and it's, you know, it's gone pretty well, all told. I mean, they're, um, you know, some people will say, well, wait, come on, they were picked to finish second. Well, um, you know, they've had some uh, issues with COVID. They didn't have Lauren Ebo for the first half of the season. Um, whatever. Yeah. And a new we'll, head coach and everything like right. that. And he's got three of the top players in the country uh, coming in the incoming freshman class for, for 21, including Ronnie Harmon, the top point guard in the country. So he's, he's going to have the athletes who can run up and down the floor and play his pressing style. He didn't really have that this year. Yeah. So um, we'll see how, how that goes for the Texas women. 
they will be, as we mentioned, taking on Iowa State in the quarterfinals uh, with a chance uh, to win that game and probably play Baylor in the semifinals. And Taylor, it was a, a big weekend. Um, you know, before we get to love it or leave it, uh, Ty Madden looks like Ty Madden again for Texas baseball. 14 strikeouts in that game one win at Houston. And he needed every bit of it because he couldn't get any run support. He won the game one nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was phenomenal to see him go 110 pitches and complete game and just lit him up to the end. I mean, he was striking out people in the ninth inning. So, and he was hitting um, 98 tech- miles per hour in the ninth inning that? too. Clocked at 98 yep. after in the ninth inning in his complete game shutout. That's yeah, yeah. He oof, he was filthy, and uh, Texas lost game two. Um, with some 11, you know, 11 inning game, right? Yeah. 11 inning game. And, uh, yeah, well, what can you do? The guy, Aaron Nixon gave up a, he was pitching great. And the guy tattooed one walk off Homer. Um, so they lose game two and then they come back win game three, win the series two to one. And now, uh, this weekend they'll be taking out South Carolina, another ranked opponent coming in. So we'll see how Texas, uh, they've won seven of nine after that 0-3 start. So um, The 0-3 start against SEC teams, which they are about to face another that's right. SEC team. So. That's right. Taylor, thanks a lot. <laughs> no, I mean. Mentioning that the teams that completely decimated and humiliated Texas baseball to open the season were all from the SEC, and here comes another SEC team. See, I, I, have, a di- I have a different – stance on that. I've, I said this the last few weeks about the baseball start. Like, I think this is, and I am the last type of person that's like, oh, I'm going to make excuses for losing. Like I grew up with a professional athlete as a dad. My oldest brother was a professional athlete. So losing was never <laughs> something that we- brother <laughs> was drafted by my Detroit Tiger. Yeah. In the first round of 94 draft and uh, as a pitcher too. But yeah, I mean, losing's never been something that we excuse in the Gasper family. And I'll say that. However, I do think that anybody that was jumping off the ledge for the start of the season against those SEC teams really, you know, sometimes you have to compartmentalize a situation and realize that there are external factors that have played into it. The weather was the biggest one, I think, at that point, in addition to, I mean, everybody didn't have a season last year, you know, or cut short after several, you know, what, 15 games or something. Um, However... I think that you're starting to at least see a little bit more of what Texas can do. Obviously, the quality of opponents that they've seen since that um, three-game opening series um, in the, I always forget, college baseball showdown or whatever in Arlington at Globe State Life Farm. Field. Yeah, State yeah, Farm college showdown. Yeah, so I think that you know I, it, this will be a really good test, and I'm really intrigued to see how the team does against another solid type of ranked opponent um, just because – they haven't really seen much of that since that opening weekend, but they've at least been able to get a little bit into a groove, get back into practice shape and game shape, you know, everything like that. So it'll be interesting. But one thing about Ty Madden, he has one of the filthiest sliders I think I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, how many strikeouts came on sliders? Yeah. It was and like... The, <laughs> when you have a 98-mile-an-hour fastball and you've got a slider, that's... That's wipeout stuff. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was 14 strikeouts. I mean, career high. It was great stuff. He's getting all the Big 12 Player of the Week awards national. 
well uh, awards. Too. So it's uh, that's good stuff. Now, Texas softball went into the weekend number seven undefeated, went to LSU, won game one, uh, got uh, a, a decent performance from uh, Shay O'Leary, their starting pitcher, and a really nice relief performance from Molly Jacobson, who ended up with the win, lots of offense. You're thinking, okay, they go down to LSU and take down the 13th ranked Tagus. Uh, but then in game two, Molly Jacobson throws a complete game into extra innings, seven and a third innings, and could get no run support. And they, they lose two to one. And and then in game three, um, Riley White, the freshman pitcher, got roughed up, gave up a bunch of runs in the first inning. Texas couldn't couldn't recover lost that game seven to two. So UT softball takes their first losses of the season, but Hey, uh, Mike white doing what he can without, uh, you know, Miranda Alish, their stud pitcher who opted out of the season. So um, stud pitcher and hitter. Yeah. She's one of those. She was the player of the year last year in the, in the shortened uh, season by softball America. So, um, you know, obviously Mike white having to figure it out, using a young pitcher and that's going to take some time, get some, get some game bruises and uh, experience going there. And and then we'll see once uh, the big 12 season starts, because Oklahoma once again is the favorite. What, how would you grade Mike White's performance so far since he was hired? I mean, I think he's been really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had the number one team in the country last year when the pandemic hit and everything was going his players love him. I mean, he's had so many players transfer in. I mean, um, players from his team at Oregon, players who he was recruiting while he was at Oregon, including Lauren Burke, who's been phenomenal. And then, and obviously Janae Johnson, what she's gotten on base 25 straight games. So, you know, he just, usually he has great pitching and I think he was planning on Miranda Ellis and, that probably hurt him in recruiting a little bit. Right. And then she doesn't end up playing that. That gets you. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think so too. And with Miranda Ellis, I mean, she said that she was going to be coming back for the, this year, you know, after the pandemic cut everything short last year, I feel for Mike white and Texas and all the Texas softball players that were on that roster last year. I mean, that was the best team and probably, I mean, I, I did. I have not followed. I will say I have not followed Texas softball as intently throughout the start of you know whenever it became a sport at Texas. However, I would say that was probably one of the best softball teams that they've ever had, at least right. since I've been since Cat Osterman. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think since I was in college, that's definitely been the the one of the best teams. So, um, and you're right. I mean, that definitely probably hurt them in recruiting. You know, with Miranda Ellis announcing that she was going to come back, and then you know, prior to the season starting, decided to opt out, which I thought was a little interesting. I was not expecting that, you know, with the seniors saying that they yeah, wanted there were some to take personal me. reasons going on there. Um, mm. Some family stuff that is kind of sad. So okay. she, she, that was not what she wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is what it is. And, and, um, and Mike White is not about excuses. I mean, he's like, let's go. Yeah. We, we got business to, to take care of here. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that he's done a really solid job. Um, but, you know, he lost his best player. 
I think it's fair for us to all say that Miranda Ellis was the best player that they probably thought they would have entering this season. So, um, but overall, I don't think that that should, you know, eliminate anything that he, the softball program has done and shouldn't erase what they were building last year, because at least you can see what the trajectory kind of can be with him leading the team. That's, I think, the biggest thing, in my opinion. Well, everybody's chasing Eddie Reese, who did it again, <laughs> and Matt Scoggin. My God, Matt Scoggin, the diving coach. Um, he's got a he's got an Olympic diver, um, you know, tearing it up for Texas. So Texas swimming and diving. We always talk about Eddie Reese, but Matt Scoggin is racking up points in these meets for Texas too with his divers. So um, they did it again. They've won the conference championship now forty two years in a row. Every year that Eddie Reese has been the coach and Texas is the number one team in the nation. And Eddie Reese continues to recruit like a madman. All these freshmen were winning big 12 titles for him and they'll, you know, try to go to Tokyo this summer. So it's, um, it's something else. 42 straight 42, 42, 40. Every year he's been the coach at Texas. He's won the conference championship. That is I mean, the women have won eight in a row. Eddie's yeah. won 42 in a row. <laughs> so crazy. And A&M was good. Like <laughs> there were good teams in, you know, back in the day in the Southwest Conference, SMU, um, you know, they had Olympians, Steve Lundquist, all those guys. I mean, Texas can't beat them. Yeah. Jeez. Not with Eddie Reese. Is he the best college coach of all time? I mean, that's true. He's got 14 national championships. He's he's got more national championships. He's the John Wooden of swimming. Mm-hmm. No one has more. Mm-hmm. And he's still going. Yeah. I mean, he's 68 and he's like, let's go. It's crazy. I got I got uh, I got swimmers to make go faster. <laughs> that's so crazy. All right, Taylor. You know what time it is. Yep. All right, Chip. Well, before we get to everybody's favorite segment, Love It or Leave It, we're going to take a really short break, but we will return after the break with uh, some more football talk in addition to um, the upcoming Big 12 men's and women's basketball tournament. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. So, Chip, you ready for some Love It or Leave It? I'm ready. I'm going to take a swig of my aha here, my sparkling water. I'll say, is that a beer? Not that I would judge. Like, I, that sounds good, actually, right now. But <laughs> Sparkling water, blueberry palm granite. You're so fancy. Mine just came from my uh, 
refrigerator. Awesome. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, good. From, from at least from the, the spout. Filter. Yeah. <laughs> Although the water yeah. filter probably needs to be changed. Um, yeah, it's been a while since I've done that. So I'm not, I'm yeah, not like great your, with that type of stuff. Okay. <laughs> it's like your air conditioned filters, you know? Oh, yeah. You forget about them. You're supposed to change them out every month or three months or something. Yeah, I think so. I just used uh, Jeff Howe, our, our man, Jeff Howe's brother, because he is a AC company here in Austin. So he has been my savior when my AC has been having issues. So Awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've had issues, but that they that Jeff Howe's brother helped solve them. Yeah, no, for sure. All right. So Chip, let's get to love it or leave it here. My first one for you is love it or leave it. The position you're most excited to watch in spring football is the defensive line. Okay, no. Although Alfred Collins is probably the guy I'm most excited about on this team because what he was doing in the Alamo Bowl in his first start, and everyone should go listen to our flagship podcast interview from Monday with Kenny Sims, Kenneth Sims, the All-American at Texas from 78 to 81, the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. He still holds the career record at Texas for forced fumbles with 15 and played with Steve McMichael at Texas. Then they met up in a Super Bowl in 1985 when Kenny was with the Patriots and McMichael with those vaunted Chicago Bears. Uh, but it's great stuff. And he talks about Albert, um, Al, you know, Collins. Alfred Collins, yeah. Alfred Collins. And in what a, you know, what a athletic big man he is and how excited uh, Kenny is about uh, Alfred Collins. So uh, make sure you check out the flagship podcast from Monday. But no, Taylor, I, I am excited to see the receivers. I'm excited. Um, or on defense, is that what the question was? Wasn't specified. Okay. You send it to me. Uh, so. <laughs> oh yeah. so I, I, I'm, I'm most excited about the receiver. Yeah. I, I want to see Troy O'Meary. Okay. I, I feel like I know that I can count on Alfred Collins to be a monster, mm-hmm. to just be a manimal out there. People liked it when I used the word manimal last week. Yeah. So I'm using that again. Um, but I want to see Troy O'Meary. I want to see some new wowzers, you know? Yeah. How about you, Taylor? I'm actually, I'm going to agree. So when we opened the show, we talked about a position to focus on, you know, something that you wanted to watch. Um, But I agree with, if I'm saying most excited, as in like something I'm really looking forward to seeing and think that there could be a lot of, you know, potential there. I think wide receiver is probably the answer too. And because of, you know, we have not seen, even though at least Jordan Whittington was able to play in more than one game last season, you know, he did have some injuries. So we have not seen him at his full potential. We have not seen Troy O'Meary at all. I mean, I'm basing every, and I trust my sources, and um, I know you trust yours too. Um, I'm, we are basing everything off of what we had heard from fall camp last year about Troy O'Meary. And obviously it was legit because as Chip, you know, you reported um, last month about the kind of depth chart, how it was shaping up. He was already listed as number one and he's played in what, maybe 
a week of practice ever at college, Texas. Right. So, the, and we know that Steve Sarkeesian and his staff, they, you know, went through all of the practice film. Andre Coleman probably helps that he was retained and he's, you know, saw for himself how much of a, a monster that Troy O'Meary could be. So I think that the wide receiver position from a straight up excitement and seeing how good they can be, I would say that that would be my choice too. All right. All right. And by the way, Kenny Sims is going into the College Football Hall of Fame. That's mm-hmm. why we, we talked to him. So I just want to make sure before we move on to yeah. the next question <laughs> of love it or leave it, Taylor Estes, what say you? <laughs> All right, Chip. My next one is on the flip side. The position you're most concerned about is quarterback. Love it or leave it. Okay. I'm not concerned about that. I'm leaving this. I am confident in this, uh, in this quarterback battle. Um, I think people are sleeping on Casey Thompson if they are looking for a reason to wonder if what they really saw in the Alamo Bowl was real. I think Casey Thompson is going to be the man this year. Um, but Hudson Card, everybody loves the guy. I mean, all the whispers are Hudson Card, Hudson Card, Hudson Card, Hudson Card, Hudson Card. Hudson Card. Uh, Sam Ellinger at the Jason Witten Man of the Year Award was like, man, I wish my ball came out of my hand like Hudson Card's ball. And I'm like, all right, just keep poo-pooing on my man Casey Thompson because all he does is get poo-pooed on, and then (laughs) when he gets on the field, he goes for six points. But, um, no, I'm not concerned about quarterback as much as I am concerned about – um. You know, the depth uh, at linebacker and and then finding the replacement for Joseph Osai. You know, Marquez Bimage going to the transfer portal. I thought that was a bit disappointing. If you noticed, he was in the player hype video that Texas released last week. And then the next day, Bimage went in to the portal. So, you know, Bimich is a guy I love coming out of high school, coming out of Brenham. He was kind of a lean but really tenacious pass rusher with good bend. And then we know how explosive he was, 700-pound squat guy. Got up to 272 pounds. He's back down to 250. You know, I'm wondering if there's any chance of, of salvaging Bimich. But they brought in Ray Thornton from LSU. They're bringing in Ovi Agofu uh, in June. And and those guys are going to compete for that job. So, um, so there you go, Taylor. I'm, I'm not as concerned about quarterback. How about you? From like a straight concern standpoint, again, I'm watching quarterbacks, the position I want to focus on. Cause I want to see kind of how it plays out. Um, from a concern, honestly, I kind of, it's hard not to look at the offensive line to me. I mean, this is, you know, I know Texas, I, I think it was very positive that Derek Kerstetter decided to, return to Texas for another year, um, especially after that injury that he had. And I think that if he can move back to his more natural position and not have to take on, you know, center responsibilities and the duties that come along with that, I think that that will be very, um, a positive step for the offensive line. But there's, while there's a lot of, you know, bodies there, there has not been a lot of proven bodies there because they, you know, Texas, I guess, 
it's a good thing that they haven't had to rely on some of the offensive linemen, but there's a lot of guys in that room that have not even sniffed the field. And they may be called upon to, you know, um, step up, and especially from a depth uh, standpoint. I mean, if you're with – you win and lose games in the trenches. There's no doubt about it. You could have the best quarterback in college football history, but if you have a garbage offensive line, you are limiting the amount of, you know – ability that the quarterback can actually show. Same thing with the running game. I mean, if Texas can't open holes for Bijan Robinson, I think Bijan Robinson could eventually be a Heisman, you know, at least in the talks of a Heisman candidate potentially. But if he doesn't have holes to run through, you're limiting his opportunity to actually show exactly what he can be. So I do think that, um, you know, the offensive linebacker, I, I agree. There are some questions there. Um, it's going to be hard to replace Joseph Osai, who kind of played that hybrid type of, you know, Jack position. Um, and that's, that's the type of player that's going to be hard to replace on any team. You know, he's a very talented, very elite playmaker, regardless of where he would be. But I think offensive line would be the one I'm um, probably most concerned about going into fall okay. or into I spring practice. I think some people are nodding their head yes with you <laughs> right now. Yeah. All, All right. What's our uh, final? Our Love f- it. Or leave it. So our final one is love it or leave it. The Texas men and women will both win their quarterfinal games in the Big, tw- excuse me, in the Big Twelve tournament this week. Look at that! You got choked up talking about these teams and, <laughs> oh my and how gosh. much they've gone through. <laughs> That's see shock of the car- cats. Nine lives come to an end. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, how am I going to pick Texas to beat Texas Tech when they've gone one in seven against the Red Raiders in their mm-hmm. last eight games? I'm not picking Texas to win that game. No, I'm not. Not an idiot. Now the women, I think they match up well with Iowa State, even though the women are the the five seed, Iowa State the four seed. Charlie Collier, let's go. She's trying to win the Lisa Leslie Award. And she went for twenty five and nineteen the last time she played Iowa State. You know they're gonna put four people on her. Mm-hmm. The problem is no one for Texas can make shots from the outside. I mean, it's tough. It's not a great shooting team. They they do a good job of driving to the basket, getting fouled, going to the foul line. Uh, but anyway, so I'm leaving that, Taylor. Even though Texas should be able to beat Texas Tech because Texas Tech doesn't have any big men, and Texas has three of the most athletic big men in the country. Kai Jones is a higher-rated draft projection than Greg Brown. Kai Jones. That guy runs the floor. He's blocking shots. He's making dunks. He's doing stuff. Greg Brown looks tired, but he's still got tons of bounce. Did everyone see the tomahawk he tried to bring through his legs that he <laughs> clanged off the rim against TCU? That was hilarious. But, you know, I mean, they won. Yeah. So. It's uh, funny when yeah, you win, that, if that happens. <laughs> that thing went viral. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, they should beat Texas Tech. They should. Maybe now that they're healthy, I don't know. Neutral site, but I'm not. I'm. I'm not picking them. Yeah. I'm leaving that. Taylor, what? What say you? I think I'm going to have to leave it too. I've given Shaka the benefit of the doubt all season, even though I coined him Shaka the Cat last year for having nine lives because somehow he saved his job last year prior to COVID shutdown. But. Yeah, I think he, that he surprised everyone with cool hair, and then yeah. the team <laughs> went ten and one. You're like, oh my gosh, Shaka's got cool hair. 
The team is 10 and one. They're number four in the country. They just beat Indiana, North Carolina. Shaka's got cool hair. <laughs> and then. <laughs> yeah. And then but, the mid-season slump. But yeah. Well, in their defense, every loss they have is against a ranked opponent. So they don't have any gooses. You know, they didn't go lose to K-State or Iowa State, who are the dregs of the league this year. Right. They, you know, Villanova, and then they lost to uh, Tech twice, OU, number two, Baylor, number 10, West Virginia, after having a 19-point lead against number 10, West Virginia. And, uh, and then Oklahoma State, who's just run up the rankings. They're number 12 now. Mm-hmm. When they lost in, uh, when Texas lost in Stillwater, I was like, oh, that's a bad loss. And now Cade Cunningham who's projected as a potential number one pick in the draft has Oklahoma state up at uh, number 12. So, yeah. All right, kids. We uh, we've enjoyed our time with you. We hope you've enjoyed your time with us and we hope that you will uh, give us a five-star rating over there at iTunes and tell us what Shaka smart has to do to a keep his job B get a contract extension. That'd be fun. Yeah. And until next time, for Taylor Estes, the managing editor at Horns 24-7, I am Chip Brown. Stay safe and keep the faith.